Hey there, welcome to the Collide Podcast. I'm Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And if you're new around here, I'm so glad you hopped on. I have a feeling you're gonna love this conversation, especially if you like to talk about emotional and mental health things. We're actually talking about that as well as Christmas and merging sort of a piece of the Christmas story as I have a conversation with Amanda Barnett, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we dig into cognitive behavioral therapy and the power of changing the way that we think. And we see in the Christmas story, a woman in Mary who had such an incredible perspective. And so this conversation, I have a feeling you're going to enjoy and it's going to challenge you because Amanda and I talk about how important it is to begin to change our thought life because our thought life actually has so much impact on our behavior. So enjoy this conversation and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Make sure you go to our website at wecollide.net to get more resources like this, including our counseling bundle, where you can take a course with 12 therapists and experience more healing and make sure that you check out all the resources that we have for you so that you can keep colliding with Jesus. Check out this interview with Amanda Barnett. Amanda, I'm so excited to sit down with you today and have this conversation. Thanks for hanging out with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, I just got the major privilege to sit underneath your teaching at one of our Clyde classes. You came in and did uh, a class in-house here with women on battling insecurities. And it was so phenomenal that I said to Kim, who uh, schedules our podcast guests, get that woman on the podcast. (laughs) So thank thank you. you. You're making my Christmas dreams come true right now. Well, thank you. No, I, that was an awesome class. And it's a topic I am super passionate about. I teach it in my practice and, and I've lived it. So um, yeah, I, it was awesome. So thank you um, for having me. Well, we we all live with insecurities every single day, man. It's a daily battle. But But having you on today, we're in the middle of this Christmas series. And really, uh, I wanted to sort of talk about the Emmanuel God with us in, in spend time in this Advent season, specifically on the podcast, looking at it with some different perspectives or through different lenses. And I started to think about what you taught at that class on insecurities. You talked about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I want to get into in a few minutes with you. But what I thought was so interesting in the class, and I learned from you that that so many people, when they want to see a change happen in their life, they start with behavior. And you challenged us to start with our thoughts and our thought life. And so when I started to think about the Christmas story, I knew I wanted to have you on here because the entire story starts out with this crazy experience where an angel shows up to Mary, right? Mary is this young woman. She's engaged to be married to 
Joseph and she's got all her plans and all her dreams. And an angel shows up and he says, greetings to you who are highly favored. And then he lays out, I'm basically, God is completely interrupting your life and you are, all your plans, all your dreams are out the window. You're going to become pregnant without the fun and you're going to give birth to Jesus who's going to be the savior of the world. And the story goes that she says something to the degree of, may it be as you have said. And when I read that story, this Christmas story, I'm like, oh, okay. She's one of those chicks, just kind of like, okay, God, whatever you say. And I just don't feel like I'm one of those chicks. And so I started to think about how so many of us don't see a major interruption to our plans and dreams as being highly favored. And I want to talk to you about the power of our thoughts, because this woman, Mary, her thoughts were so powerful that she was able to say with such faith, may it be as you've said. So I just want to start by asking you, Amanda, what kind of perspective shift is necessary to move from this idea of, okay, God, you're ruining my life to, okay, God, I can see that you're about to do something beautiful. Yeah, totally. Well, a huge perspective shift. Um, I guess I'd want to jump into CBT if I can just um, explain that, because I think that's a perspective shift that we need. So cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is kind of the gold standard for treatment um, for a, a ton of stuff, uh, anxiety, depression, PTSD, low self-esteem, really suicidal thoughts, anything. And the whole premise of CBT and what we've learned is that our thoughts are the ones that dictate our emotions, which dictate our behaviors. So in order to change our emotions or in order to change our behaviors, we have to look at our thought life. Because really, I mean, the thought life is the most important. Your, your whole life is a product of the way that you're thinking. So Mary's thought life, I mean, had to have been completely transformed um, to have God come down and um, say, you're going to birth the Savior. I mean, she had to be thinking, you know, this is terrifying, but God, you're good. And so I think that perspective change is looking at God's character of God being trustworthy and, and going, yeah, you're interrupting my life, God, but ultimately you're good and you have good plans for me. And so... I think that is the perspective shift that we need. And I'm sure Mary had. I love that phrase that you just used, Amanda, where you said, but God, you are. And it's kind of almost like this proclamation or this claim, like, wow, you're completely ruining my plans, but God, I, you are good but God, you are trustworthy, but God, you are faithful. And I'm just kind of curious if you have your own way that you practice this sort of proclamation that helps shift your perspective when your life is being interrupted and you don't want it to be? Yeah, a hundred percent. So whenever I'm struggling with self-doubt or struggling with my own anxiety or depression, um, it's really about taking my thoughts captive. And so for me, what that practically looks like, and as a therapist who practices CBT, is I'm identifying those beliefs. Um, I can't do this. I'm not qualified. I, you know, I'm a bad Christian or I fail God. And I take those thoughts and I challenge them with scripture. And it said, I mean, the angel said, for nothing is impossible with God. And it says, you know, I'm highly favored. Um, you know, I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed and set free. 
And so that perspective change for me looks like taking those thoughts and challenging them with the word of God. And, and who is God? Because it's not about me or my abilities. It's, it's about God's abilities and, and who he is and his character. When you talk about CBT, Amanda, you talk about a lot of people start by trying to change. When they want to see something about their life change, they start with behavior. Why does that not work? Like, let's lean into that a little deeper. Why does that not work? And why do we need to actually start going to changing our thoughts? Yeah, it. you can't just change your behavior. Um, so let's say you are struggling with overeating. Um, you just white knuckling, it doesn't work, right? I'm stressed out. I'm going to run to the fridge, right? That's my coping skill. I have to change my thought life because in CBT, your thoughts are dictating your emotions, which dictate your behavior. And white knuckling behavior doesn't work. We found that it's your thoughts that are leading to those emotions, to those behaviors. I feel like I have to be perfect. Therefore, I'm highly anxious. Therefore, I'm coping with these maladaptive coping skills. So really, the premise of CBT is I have to start examining my thought life. Um, and that, in turn, is going to change the way I feel. And it's going to change those those behaviors that I want to change. You know, we talk about addictions, uh, food addiction, sex addictions. We talk about substance use um, or any, really any any behavior that we want to change. White knuckling doesn't work. We can't change in our own self-effort and they're just a product of our thought life. So that's kind of what we target in CBT is what are the thoughts that are leading you to run to those behaviors? Hmm. Which is a much deeper invitation to have to have to deal with. But I feel like so many people, I mean, they jump straight to, okay, I'm trying to think of an example, like I want to lose weight. So I, you know, I don't buy something at the grocery store or, or whatever, like behavioral changes, which seems like a positive. But what happens if you never deal with your thought life? Totally. You're still going to struggle with those insecurities that are that are leading you to the fridge or whatever your thing is. Is Yeah, if I'm struggling with these beliefs that I have to be perfect or that I'm not lovable. I mean, if I'm just doing behavioral change, those beliefs are still there. So you're really only dealing with the symptom and not the root cause. And the root cause is those thought lives that and it's those maladaptive or those negative self-beliefs that are so ingrained in us that are causing us to behave in the way we are. And those, yeah, and it's, it, it, they're a lot more difficult to deal with and more vulnerable, but that's where the real change is. Mm-hmm. So can you give some examples of kind of, I don't know, just broad general experiences you've seen in women uh, where they want to change something. So they start with behavior, but work us back from from the behavior they want to see changed back to a thought that is actually birthing this hurtful behavior. Totally. So um, how about, this is, I see women in my practice. So relationship issues, let's say you are struggling with codependency or people pleasing. And you're like, I am going to put boundaries on my family and I'm going to say no. And you have all this great resolve to change this behavior. Um, but if you don't challenge your thought life, right, you, you're, you're a people pleaser for a reason. And so you're going to crumble the moment someone gives you any disapproval. But if you start with your thought life, which 
oftentimes we see with codependency or people pleasing, it's I have to be loved or approved of to be worthy. That's often a thought. So if I believe that I'm only worthy or I'm only okay if someone gives me their approval, I'm going to feel highly anxious the moment anyone you know, says is upset with me or if I say no or I, I feel like someone gave me a you know, weird look, I, I just take it personal. And that's why that, that behavior is happening. That's why I can't say no. And so you have to go back to that thought of, I am accepted by God. Like I, I have God's approval. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm loved. And once you start challenging, I don't need that person's approval. It's okay for that person to be upset with me. That's when my emotions start to shift. And I'm not so you know, upset that someone is upset with me. And that's when I can start saying no and setting boundaries. And so we can really do it with every behavior. Uh, same with, with depression or anxiety. Let's say I'm struggling with um, self-harm. So going back to the thought, you know, I'm worthless. How am I going to feel? I'm going to feel depressed. And that's leading to, you know, the self-harm. And so we don't just treat the self-harm, we treat the thoughts that are leading to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How do you help people recognize or become aware of their own thoughts? Like, I'm just thinking about my own life. I'm thinking about people I know. And I think our thoughts sort of get away with us and we Mm -hmm. don't even know what we're thinking. So sometimes I almost, I'll use myself, throw myself under a bus. I almost sometimes realize, wow, I had just spent the last hour ruminating on all the negative hypotheticals that I'm assuming Mm. are about to happen. Right. And and so I'm swimming in negativity of like, and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and, and just fear-based thoughts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't even know I'm doing it. So what are some ways when you bring up the scripture on, you know, take everything, thought captive so often our thoughts are running around you know like crazy i mean they're yeah. on the loose so how do we even go like wake up to our own thought life and go oh wow it's it's this thought pattern that's leading right. to this that's leading to this and the outcome is this yeah it takes a lot of intentional work <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight i mean i've been on this process with god for 10 plus years I think it starts with acknowledging, obviously, God help me, you know, you know, when you're ruminating, you know, when you're struggling with a cycle of anxiety or depression. And so going to God and saying, help me, you know, there's something here that I, you know, I can't get myself out of. And then I think it's about being intentional about what are you thinking? You're not going to know you're in a negative thought pattern if you're not in the word of God. You don't know what God says. You're not going to know if it aligns with scripture. So I think part of that is going, God, help me. And then going, what does God say about me and my life and the future? And then starting to be intentional with, you know, I feel like, you know, my future is bleak and there's no hope. Well, how does that align with scripture? What does God say of me? And um, it's, it seems simple, but it's really difficult, right? It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that you, you say, God, help me to change my belief system. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think being intentional is something that has really helped me is God show me the patterns in my thinking that are causing me these, this anxiety or depression and help me challenge it. And God does, he illuminates those thinking patterns. And the more that you're in scripture and his word, the more you're going to be able to compare what you're thinking versus 
really what he says. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so true. I'm also thinking about how powerful it's been for me personally to be in a counseling office or to be sitting across from a friend, but almost having someone hold up a mirror and 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 hold it up and help me see myself or to be able to reflect back and say, did you hear that? Did you hear what you just said about yourself? Did you hear how you're assuming the fail before the fail? Or did you hear how much fear is guiding you to have those uh, powerful relationships where someone can speak into your thought life feels so important? Oh, and it is because you can't see it. Like I can't see it in myself. Well, you can in some degrees, but you really need someone else. You need a therapist. You need someone from a, a friend, someone that knows scripture and can go, wow, you know, I pointing out those belief systems. Yeah, you know, you aren't a failure. You know, these just, yeah, just to point out those negative belief systems, because once they've spun in your head for 10, 20 years, it's hard to unthink them or mm-hmm. even see that they're there because that's your reality. We believe that God has something special in store for your life. Do you need some help discerning next steps in your calling or wishing that God could do something big with your life, but you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're tired, overwhelmed, or burned out and need some encouragement and inspiration to get back up. Whatever season or life phase you're in, we've got an incredible online course called Women of Impact that will equip and empower you with tools to fully live out your purpose in this life. This course comes with over 70 teaching sessions taught by over 50 incredible women and features topics like discerning direction, dreams and vision, health for a purpose, impact in every chapter, and more. You'll also get beautifully designed journals and incredible resource lists. This course was created for women on the go, meaning you can access it anytime, anywhere, on any device. Now is the time to get inspired and equipped to make an impact with your life. This robust course is available for only $149. You can learn more or register by going to wecollide.net forward slash women of impact. And you bring up knowing God's word and what God says about us. And I know for me, I do a lot of, I call it kind of, I preach to myself and remind me of what is true about God and what is true about myself. So many of the Bible studies that I've written that we have here at Clyde really help women start claiming who they are in God. And if that's not something that you know how to do, your thoughts can kind of just be on the loose. And I find it helps me to just remind me, it grounds me to be like, mm-hmm. no, my God loves me. My God is gracious. He's forgiving. He's compassionate. Like it grounds me to claim who he is, but also, and you say I'm beloved and you say I'm a daughter and you say you forgive me and you say you have plans for my life. Like that kind of preaching to self. I mean, yeah. do you do you have ways that you've seen it works for women? I mean, I know women write, post notes on their mirrors? Like what have you seen that really helps women claim the truth about who they are? Yeah. So I preach to myself (laughs) just to say that (laughs) because I have to. 
Yeah. Write it in the car, looking like a crazy person talking to myself out loud saying, no, Amanda, you, <laughs> you are loved. You know, you're not a failure. Um, so affirmations, the post-it notes, they work. Um, what I find has been really helpful for me and what I kind of have my women do is I'll have them actually sit down and start identifying some of the negative beliefs. You know, what are those top 10 really difficult, strong thoughts that, that wreck you. I mean, those are the thoughts Mm -hmm. that are like, I'm a failure. I'm worthless. God could never use me. Like we all have them, you know, I mean, before I started my own journey of healing, I'm sure I had 200 plus just negative thoughts about myself. And what I tell people, um, is to start identifying what are those negative beliefs that you've been believing. And then I want you to challenge them with the word of God And so that belief, you know, like I'm worthless. Well, what does scripture say about you? It says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that you have been redeemed and set free and and chosen and set apart. And so you're identifying the lie and you're identifying what God says. And then you're rewriting that narrative. You're rewriting that truth. And the truth is you're loved and that you are worth it. You're worth so much that God died for you. Like, Mm -hmm. and then writing it down, being intentional about it, and then preaching to yourself, kind of like you said, those negative thoughts don't just go away. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been working on it for years. It's a great tool. And it's something that I continue to do even 10 plus years down the road is I got to preach to myself when those negative thoughts spiral up. It's like, okay, where have I written that down? Okay, this is the truth. And this is what God says to me. So to go back to your question, I think it's identifying those beliefs getting um, what God's perspective is and rewriting it. I've had women do it on post-it cards or um, I'm sorry, those nine by 11 or whatever, those note cards. And I'll have them write out the truth and you can put like a binder clip on it or something. And then you have that truth and it's always there. Um, but, But being intentional about it, even if that just means sitting down with God for 10 minutes and having him show you it's think that's really been helpful for me and other people that I've sat with. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up identifying the negative beliefs first, because in so much of my own personal work and working with women over the years, I have found that a lot of women are kind of what, what we're trying to do is stick all the kind of positives all over ourselves without identifying what lays dormant underneath all of those things. And if we don't deal with the wounded beliefs we have about ourselves, just slapping on like an encouraging word over the top doesn't bring about true healing. And so it feels really important. And part of the the actual healing work is not just to know who God says you are, but to identify the things that you believe about yourself that are harming your life and start there and ask God to unstick those things. So when you stick on new beliefs of who God says you are and how loved you are and purposed you are and how how unique and special you are that those don't stick to lies but they actually stick on you and stay there you know what yeah. i mean yeah we call those core beliefs and your core belief is really those beliefs that you hold about yourself others in the world. And they're those deep foundational beliefs and wounds generally, right? When we have a negative core Mm -hmm. belief is those are the wounds that we've learned from, you know, our life, you know, not having perfect parents or going through abuse or going through trauma, 
um, just being human, even you just you come out of life with these beliefs that are are wounds. And if you don't identify the wound, I think I think of like that positive affirmation. It's like a band aid on a on an active wound. It's kind of gross, but it, like it's still pussing, and you're trying to throw a band aid of I'm beautiful. It's like well, that doesn't help. <laughs> you need right. to identify, you know, where the wound was, and you have to really ask God to help you um, heal that, and He wants to. And it, and it takes more than just throwing on a path, like a positive affirmation, but yeah, absolutely. You've brought up a couple of times, Amanda. So I want to kind of lean into it a little bit. You said that you've been in process for 10 years journeying towards healing. Is, is there, um, time here today for you to just invite us a little bit back to the beginning of that journey and what was going on in you that made you say yes to God's healing in your life? Yes. Um, so everyone assumes a therapist's life is perfect. And I, I feel like my life has been far from that. And yeah, 10 years ago, about 12 years ago, I met Christ actually, um, was in my own process of recovery and met him um, in a treatment center in California, struggling with my own stuff. And um, that's where I met Christ. And I, I feel like he yeah, he interrupted it in the best of ways. Mm. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey of of God saying, this is who you are, because this is who I am. And before that, you know, I hated myself and I hated God. And I really didn't see any hope for any future. And it was kind of God picking, it was actually God getting in the mess with me and saying, I love you. And mm. I am faithful. And I am your good father that really transformed my life. So when I talk about CBT, I'm really passionate about it because I've lived it and I've done it. <laughs> Even before I was a therapist, it was God teaching me to really take those thoughts captive and to really transform my life through through those belief systems that were so ingrained in me. Um, so yes, that has been my own personal journey these last 10, 12 years. Um, and now I teach it because I know how it works. Yeah. So, and I heard you share a little bit when you were teaching that class, but you had some really practical experiences in that, uh, in that time where you had to start challenging your own core beliefs. What were some of the things that you began to do that changed your thought life about yourself? Yes. So I had um, a spiritual mentor at the time that told me to um, start writing down those negative beliefs, start writing down the things that I believed about myself and about God. She called them the lies. Um, At that time, they were my truths. I didn't know they were the the Mm -hmm. lie. And then she had me start to challenge them. What does scripture say? Um, And so I had that little note card and I was writing down the lies that I believed and I started writing down truth. Um, of who God was and and who I was in in God's eyes, and I started preaching it to myself, repeating it over and over again, um, and that was you know sort of the spirit I was, you know. So that was my process of starting to transform my mind, um, not through self effort, but through God, but also taking those thoughts captive in a practical way. Um, it's cognitive restructuring, is what we call it in CBT. It's just mm-hmm. identifying and challenging those negative beliefs. But as Christians, we do it with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing to me how God shows up 
to us in some of our darkest hours and begins healing us. And we have no idea, but he can see that 10 years later, we're going to help other people do the same thing. A hundred percent. Yes. The the things that I was struggling with now are the things I get to teach. So it is awesome. Mm, Right. He's using your life to help cognitively restructure other people's lives. I love that so much. I also love you said something that I think is is important to pause on, which is you said God really got in the mess with you. I think a lot of people assume that God is not going to get in the mess with us, but actually he'll meet us on the other side of it. And and a lot of us have actually been told that. Why were you able to allow God to jump into the mess with you? I don't, you know, I was desperate. (laughs) So I was in a place where I couldn't get out of the mess. It's kind of going back to, we can't change our behaviors. We can't do it on our own. God had to get in the mess with me for me to ever get out of it. And God's not scared of the mess. You know, he, he was pursuing me and I was running. And finally, it's like, I'm stuck. I can't get out. And God mm-hmm. was there in that mess. And, and I really believe that's what he does with all of us is we can't change. We can't beha- change our behaviors on our own. We can't clean up our act. So God will approve of us. It's like God's just there going, hey, um, you know, I want to be in a mess with you to get you out. And I think I just had the gift of desperation at that point and um, really was like, all right, God, I surrender. And I just asked him to. It wasn't like I was this holy, pious Christian that had my life together. It was just like a a willingness, you know, Mm -hmm. all right, God, I'm here. Mm -hmm. The gift of despair. That's an interesting phrase you just used. You know, when we talk about the Mary story at Christmas, God showed up to a woman who had other plans and he did the unimaginable. And he had a greater story than she herself could even dream up in the moment, similar to your story, right? 10 years ago. And I'm curious when you think about her response to what might have felt despairing for her, what strikes you about it? What strikes me about Mary is that she was just willing. What did she say? She said, may it be to me as you have said. Mary was not on a path to prove anything. She wasn't on a path to be a better Christian. She was just like, God, I believe you. You are going to do what you said. And I think that's what strikes me about her response is she just, yeah, God was looking for someone that would believe that he could do what he said. And Mary was that person, mm-hmm. you know, she just was like, all right, God, if I will obey you because you are trustworthy and do what you said. And she was just willing. Um, she was just an ordinary teenage girl that, I mean, in that society, she was young. She was unwed. She was a woman. And, and like in that culture, she was someone that would have been considered unusable by God. So I mean, but she still believed him with all things are possible with God. And she just said, all right, I'm willing to obey. So that's what strikes me about her. When someone's in a place where God is completely disrupting their life and their plans, and they don't feel faith filled 
and they don't feel obedient, what's your advice for them? Yeah, it, I would say go back to who God is. God is faithful. Um, God is trustworthy and God has a purpose and a plan for your life that far exceeds even what you could have dreamed. It goes back to his character. I mean, it's, it's sometimes our, our emotions. We are afraid. We're not feeling like we want to be interrupted by God, but going back to God, I'm willing and I lay it down for you because I know you're good and that you love me. I would say that that's what I would tell that person is God has good plans for you and he loves you and he wants to use you. Mm-hmm. As we come to a close, Amanda, and you think about the power of our thoughts and you think about Mary in the Christmas story, and then you think about the women listening to this podcast who are in a place where it feels like God with us, the Emmanuel, just showed up on their scene and life is about to shift in a way that they would never have chosen for themselves. And it's going to require them to shift their perspective. What are your closing thoughts for them today? God is good and you're not alone. God has good plans for you and he can be, he can be trusted. And just like Mary was just an ordinary girl that said yes to God, saying yes to him is going to radically change your life for the better. Life's not necessarily going to be easy, but you're going to be, you are close to the one who loves you and has called you by name. So Mm. going back to his character and yeah, living that life, not through your own effort, but but God's. So Mm. that's what I'd say. I love that. Just an ordinary girl. When we give him our yes, he does something beautiful with it. That's okay. that's what I'm going to take from this yes. conversation today for sure. Thank you so much, Amanda, for hanging out with us today. How yes, can people you. connect with you and the work that you're doing? Yes. So you can find me at faithchristiancounseling.com. Um, you can also give me an email, Amanda at faithchristiancounseling. Um, I have a therapy practice here in Washington that I offer. Um, if you're outside of Washington State, I still would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or thoughts, you can just reach out. Thank you, Amanda. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Friend, I don't know about you, but I know that what I'm taking from spending time in the collision in Luke, where an angel shows up to Mary and says greetings to you who are highly favored. And and then God just unfolds this plan where He literally takes her dreams and her plans, turns them upside down on their head, and completely interrupts her life, and yet says she's highly favored. Most of us wouldn't feel highly favored. And what I'm taking from that is this sense that if God is showing up in your life, if the circumstances that you're sitting in today feel like everything is being interrupted. The invitation is for you and for me to come before the one who knows us best, who loves us best, and trust that what he's doing is best. Can we, this 
Advent season. Move from a place of you're ruining my life, God, to a place of I know you can do something beautiful, God. I know you can do something unimaginable, God. I know you're writing a greater story, God, and I'm going to trust you, God. May it be as you've said. I'm saying yes to that invitation, and I hope you are too as well. Keep colliding and know that the Emmanuel, God, is with you. Continue to say yes to his healing, and we'll catch you next week.